everybody, and welcome to the Shenanacast. I'm your host, Instaku, and with me is... Units. And... No one else. Uh, Shadow Chorus is sick today, so we are going to be flying with just... Uh, just in Saku and Unix, going back to the old, the the harrowing days of Indigo Prophecy. That was, <laughs> which was the last time it was just me and you. That was wasn't a time. It? Yeah. Um, maybe we should not be left alone. <laughs> when when we're left alone, we start playing David Cage games. <laughs> oh. David Cage would like to tell you about the emotions he is experiencing. Anyways. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Shinacast. This is Shinacast episode 18, and today we are going to be talking about some more news stuff uh, as, as Austin goes to cut the AC off, as I realize it's kicking in. Uh, with a vengeance. With a vengeance. Bruh. Like, bruh. You may want to get your heater checked. Uh, yeah. Well. You might have a dragon. <laughs> might have a dragon heating my house. That's okay. Anyways. Um, so, uh, we have a couple of things we want to talk about. The first thing I wanted to talk about was, this happened last week, um, it was revealed that Hideo Kojima had indeed left Konami. Contrary to anything that Konami had said. <laughs> Konami had, so, uh, previously we had heard about a going away party at Konami, being held at Konami for Kojima going away. After which Konami said, no, there was no going away party, Kojima has not left the company, he is just on vacation. For an indefinite period of time. For an indefinite period of time. This is after they struck his name from all the promotional material for Metal Gear Solid V, which Kojima got back at them by planting his name all over the game inside it, in the code. Um, Which was hilarious to me. But So, on leave for an indefinite amount of time. Then the video game awards uh, ceremony that happened uh, a couple weeks back happened. And he was banned by Konami's lawyers from going to the award ceremony, which seems suspicious for somebody who's just on vacation. Yeah. Uh, so last week we learned that not only had, was, had he left, he had left Konami when everybody else thought he had left Konami, um, but he had also been picked up by Sony and was creating a new Kojima production studio with Sony. Because Sony understands what valuable employees are. So he went on vacation and came back with his own company. With a brand new company. Seems like a pretty sweet vacation. Pretty sweet vacation package, yo. Uh, so this is... this is uh, It's really easy to turn this into hashtag fuck Konami. You know, Konami is Konami, Konami is the worst. But uh, it's also interesting to, 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 to sort of posit or talk about the fact that video game companies at large, while they don't do it as often as they could, and they probably do it more often than they should, have carte blanche to lie to their consumers. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, marketing is all about turning negatives into a positive, and sometimes you just can't turn a negative. Like, yeah, not only is Konami gone, but... Um, or Kojima. Not, no, sorry, not only is Kojima gone, but um, we, we couldn't get him out fast enough. Can't really put a positive spin on that because no. we treated him terribly. No. So we're just going to bold face deny it. I mean, Konami treats all their employees terribly, except for their shareholders. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting though that that this isn't the first time. And, and outside of actual marketing material, like you know, they can't they can't say you know this game is one game when it's actually another, and uh, you know basics of marketing. But when it comes to the actual goings on of the company of companies and the actual day to day practices of an industry, they are allowed to lie out their asses. Yeah, marketing laws are weird. Um. Like you would not like. I don't. This this might be an entirely false statement. But I don't think there are very many companies in the states that, when you, uh, an employee has go, has, you know, gone to the full extent of their usefulness, they relegate them to be to janitorial duty until they decide to either quit or commit suicide. I'm not gonna. I, I don't know as much about the video game industry, but um, there are a lot of industries where what'll happen is they'll wait till somebody gets to about the age of sixty when they haven't built up their full pension. And then they will eliminate their position to avoid paying pension. That's a very common. Well, practice. yeah, eliminating the position is just firing you, though. This is not reassigning what your position is. 
Konami. So Konami, when 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 a game developer, let's say you signed on with Konami to become a game developer. All right. Okay. Your contract was to be a game developer, and you developed games. Well, when you finished developing one particular game, they then all of a sudden handed you a mop and bucket and said, "All right, sweet coding. Now go now go clean the bathrooms." Oh, by the way, you're getting paid minimum wage now. Well, um. I guess, it, I guess it depends because that doesn't happen. Actual work as far as is I know. not as common in the U.S. Usually, you're hired or you're not hired or you're contracted for a task rather than for a time period. Yeah. Um. But I I could, I could very much see any a company. I could very much see Donald Trump's company being I, doing well, that. Yeah, I could, but like I said, not very many though. No. In the states or in most Western civilization, I don't see that happening too terribly often. Well, in fact, I don't see it happening in very many Eastern civilizations many either. Eastern civilizations. I only see it happening in Konami. Um, it's it's it, but it's like that. It seems weird that uh, an industry such as the games industry is allowed to, you know, to, allowed to have these practices. Or I mean, Konami's allowed to have these practices, but it's, it's allowed to sort of bold-faced lie to its consumers. It's not, and Konami's not the only company that does that has done that in the video games industry. That has, you know, lied about not necessarily the state of their employees, but other things like the state of their games. Well, like, you know, we, you know, uh, Duke Nukem is a finished product, you know, uh, things things like that. To clarify these things, every time that they make a statement like that, they big game companies have a team of lawyers full-time, and this is why. It's like, we want you to write a statement in such a way that we cannot be held liable for what is being said. Yeah. Um... Meanwhile, but you, you I can't, because, I can't see any way that a lawyer said you won't be held liable for saying Kono, Kojima has not left Konami when he has in fact left Konami. Um, well, it depends on the way that it's phrased, and and part of this could be lost in translation. It could be a phrase made in Japan where it was Konami was put on an indeterminate vacation. Or Kojima. Kojima, sorry. Kojima Konami, they both start with a Ko. It's a problem, I know. You racist bastard. I know. <laughs> Konami has put Kojima on an indefinite vacation. This is true. They then fired him. We neglected to mention that second part. <laughs> His, his his vacation was indefinite in that he no longer had vacation after we made the statement. <laughs> you can do that. You can make a statement on a date, timestamp it, hold that hold that statement for a week, and then release that statement without mentioning the timestamp. <laughs> and it was true at the time it was said. Forget the fact that he was laid off five minutes later. Yeah, or in this case... Early, prior to the announcement, but still, uh, it, it it it's an interesting concept, and and we're not going to dwell too much long. We're not going to dwell too much on this because it's it's something that many people have you know hashed and rehashed. Oh, yeah. I just feel like it is. It, it, it comes down to scumbag company. Yeah, and I, I feel like it is rewards. an interesting. I feel like it is an interesting you know situation at the very least that deserved comment. Uh, because I, while I've only recently start, while I've only recently played through every single Metal Gear Solid game on my streams, um, I did enjoy them very much. So, uh, so that 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 aside, let's let's get into the meat of our uh, of our um, of our discussion today, which is going to be. Let's see, is it going to be this one or this one? <laughs> I feel like this one's a little funny. <laughs> um. So we're not ranting. Let's go. Let's go with the funny one. Yeah, first, let's go and then the go back to the, to the. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um. So, seasonal holiday events. Let's talk about them. So, as 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 most people in the Western world know, that it is it is tis the Yule tides currently. Um, Christmas. The, the tides Monica. of Yule. The tides of Yule are washing upon the shore and drowning innocent civilians as they go. Um. <laughs> yes, the Christmas Hanukkah. Um, Three Kwanzaa, Three Kings Day, Ramadan, Eid al Fatir, etc., etc., etc. And and in the spirit of holidays, a lot of games, a lot of developers do in-game, especially for for progressive games that continue on, uh, do in-game events. Uh, for instance, uh, Neverwinter, the Dungeons and Dragons MMO, uh, that the the better Dungeons and Dragons MMO. Um, the one that people actually play and know about. Yeah, the one that people actually play. I don't know about the other one. It just wasn't good. Um, 
are doing their winter festival uh, currently, and it's sort of the the winter festival of Simril. In the and it has a bunch of little mini games and prizes and and, and you know alternate costumes and there's snow everywhere and and little Yuletide goblins. Um, World of Warcraft has the Feast of Wintervale every year. Uh, Hearthstone also has Wintervale, but it's the same world, you know. Uh, Rift has the Fey Yule going on right now with a very not Santa Claus but Santa Claus character in it. Um, Final Fantasy XIV has the Starlight Celebration. Rocket League has Snow Day. Uh, Azure, Azure Striker Gunvolt has Christmas in Gunvolt Land. We're getting more obscure here. Christmas Nights is not an event, but was a whole game. <coughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so so lots of, lots of games and, and lots of games, and not only games, but also uh, and gamers and, and, and cultures across the world have these sort of weird festive uh, events that they do to rep to represent um, to represent the, the current actual season seasonal or holiday, or, like, or even simple updates. Yeah, uh, you know, Terraria and Minecraft have both released Christmas oriented blocks. Like here's a Christmas gift block in Terraria. Cookie Clicker released a Christmas block. Yeah, the first year was out. Silly free online games where, have Christmas updates where it where you get to create Santa Claus as a cookie demon thing. That's weird. Cookie well, Clicker is a weird game. Yes, um, and, and, and also, I don't think it was intended to get as big as it did. Also, things like um, you know the the series Critical Role, uh, which is a uh, series on Geek and Sundry where a group of voice actors play D anD D on a weekly basis. Uh, they just did their Winter Fest, or not Winter Fest? It was um, um, some winter, some some seasonal winter festival, and it was uh, you know a dedicated. In there, in the universe that Matthew Mercer had created, was a, a an event to celebrate the defeat of an ancient frost uh, demon from the frost from the elemental plane of ice. Um, you know, it was, it was an interesting little twist on it. Um, what we're saying is everybody does it. So yeah, not it, just it's, video games. it's something that everybody does, and I find it really, I find it really interesting, and especially in gaming as as a culture, because gaming is unique in that you can do seasonal updates. Uh, you can't really update a book. Yeah, when you pick up Lord of the Rings today, it's, it's gonna have... This day, it's the Christmas version of today Lord of I the Rings. Today I picked up Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Hey, look, there's Santa. Oh, wait, that's actually in the book. It's actually in the book. No, no, this is Lord of... In, in, this, in this edition of Lord of the Rings, uh, Gandalf has a Santa hat. Um... You don't really do that in books. You don't really do that in movies, either. Either, you know... In, you can't watch it. Either it is a Christmas movie or it is not a Christmas movie. It is not a movie that is sometimes a Christmas movie. TV um, shows do it, though. TVs do, like, seasonal episodes, yeah. But yeah. they don't do... I mean, on the flip side, a lot of games that are singular completed games don't have, you know, Christmas updates. But like, persistent games. Too. Yeah, like Fallout 4, I doubt, is going to have a Christmas update. Who knows? Um, they could. They could surprise everybody and be like, "Hey, yeah, no, you'll you'll start start finding Santa loot." Or whatever. There's a, there's also another another really fun uh, seasonal tie-in that that video games do very well as well, which is April Fools. Uh, a- April, a- April Fools is a big day in gaming uh, because many companies will do very elaborate April Fools jokes that are very clearly jokes. But like, and, and one day the new Mega Man release won't be a joke, and everybody will yeah, lose their minds. And some some April Fool's jokes end up being games. Um, but so seasonal tie-ins, they feel to me they feel like just goofy, silly things that developers like to do. But I feel like I'm supposed to feel that. And that's not what they actually are. Well, I th- what do you think? My biggest thing about them is, it, it depends on the game, because there's a lot of games that are very immersive. I know, and sometimes having that that Christmas, you know, random Christmas stuff makes it feel <coughs> less immersive because it's like, what the heck? Why why is there Santa in this world? That doesn't make sense. Sometimes they tie it in better. Um, like, Feast of Winter Vale, it has its own, you know, it doesn't have a direct Santa, it has its own vague traditions, I don't know much about it. Yeah. But from, from what I've seen, it's less about, you know, St. Nicholas, and it's, and yeah, it's, it's not, it's not about, Christmas, it's winter, it's the win- it's, it's, it's it's a, a winter, winter celebration. celebration. Yeah. So it makes a little bit more sense. But, you know, going through a game and all of a sudden, 
hi, this wall is candy cane striped. Beg pardon? Yeah. Um, and, and in almost every situation, it's you can never take it too seriously. Mm, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's never a serious <coughs> event. That's what it feels. That's what it. That's like that's like, that's like my first instinct. But I've found that my fir- if my first instinct is to not take something seriously, quite often there's a uh, there's a reason I should take it seriously. Um, things like that that, that that seem innocent enough on the surface maybe are perhaps not quite as innocent when you get deeper into it. But I can't quite find out how that would apply here. So <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it is just, well, and I, I feel like developers like to have fun. They like to do silly things. Um, you know, Easter eggs are proof of this. So many games have just little Easter eggs here and there where the developer did something silly and was like, I wonder if I can get this through the the testing phase, yeah. through the editing phase. And they did. And this time they're like, hey, make your Easter eggs and just stick them and plaster everything with them. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's all it really is. Is it's it's it's, I think it's supposed to be just as much fun for the developer as it is for the gamer. Okay. Uh, and some, like, as you said, some of them are better. What what are what are some what are some ones that, that have really stood out to you? Um, well, again, depends on the world. I, I mean, Terraria is a fun world building world, and on Christmas, Santa is one of the NPCs you can build a house for, and he'll pop up, and you can buy things from him. Not even necessarily, like, just Christmas. Any any, yeah. any holiday tie-in. Um, holiday tie-ins? I don't play a lot of progressive games. A lot of the games I play are Fallouts, RPGs, platformers. <clears throat> um, but, like I mentioned, from what I've seen, the artwork for Feast of Winter Vale, for example, I really like, because it's... It, it doesn't change gameplay in any way it just here's some snow it's, it's a nice feel it's here we're going to acknowledge that it's winter in this game and it actually kind of helps immersion because it's here is a winter celebration going on and it's winter outside it, it makes it feel more connected um games where they release a christmas christmas thing and it's hi we've randomly turned all of your drops into christmas <coughs> presents um, that you open up instead of whatever drops looked like before, those are the ones where I think it's a little bit silly. Because right. I just slew this monster, Christmas present, committing murder gets you on Santa's good list. Yeah. Kind of like how, um, in, uh, although I think it's actually pretty funny, in, um, in Heroes of the Storm, uh, it's currently sort of Christmas themed, and whenever you win a battle, one of a couple things will happen that are, they're Christmas related. Either a, either a, uh, a rain goblin, We'll go. We'll go slaying across the screen, like flying across the screen in a sleigh, and it's it's literally a goblin, like dressed on a like sleigh, a on a sleigh, dressed up like Santa Claus with like a, a some sort of rocket powered reindeer, nice or something like that. Um, or the enemy base will be surrounded by uh, s- uh, s- uh, snowman abominations as as it gets destroyed, uh, and these uh, you know abominable snowmen will just pop up and sort of roar at you. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple other things that I haven't seen yet, but it's, it's one of those, it's sort of, sort of really silly, but, uh, sorry, pardon me, I'm sleepy. Really silly, but in kind of an endearing way. Um. Well, Heroes of the Storm is not the most serious game. No, I mean, it's, it's. You have a goblin piloting a mech that can pilot a plant. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a MOBA, you know, sort of universe, universe splitting of the, of the Blizzard, of the Blizzard IPs and stitching them together in a, in a kind of funny little battle arena way. Um, I find that I, I really enjoy, not not necessarily the Christmas stuff, but I really enjoy like Halloween themes and, and April Fool's themes. H- Halloween themes I think are nicer because not as many game companies do them. And, and they don't necessarily do like a, a this is Halloween. They'll like do a horror or yeah. psychological thriller theme. Or some, something spooky. Yeah, yeah. Something slightly cre- like um, Guild Wars Two does uh, does the, ma- the the King of Madness uh, events that ha- or the Prince of Madness or something like that events where effectively it's a giant demon jack o' lantern, but it's a giant demon jack o' lantern with personality, uh, and and it, and it does all these weird you know sort of gameplay al- alternate gameplay sort of mini game style uh, events that happen changes up the pvp a bit changes up the pve a bit changes up the next one the the quests and objectives all to tie in with their halloween theme uh, 
now one one that I've never liked is the April Fools ones. And the I, it, it's not because <clears throat> on April Fools Day you look them up. It's because 3 months later somebody's got this article, look at this release thing that was, you know, found blah 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 and it was derived from something that was April Fools Day that they really cut up on really late and then it looks like something serious because it's mid-May. Oh, I, th- I find those are the best because then all you have to do is point at the date that they get timestamp on the article. Yeah. Um, I find I, I find I enjoy April Fool's Day because they they it's a little bit of that funny creative space that you don't get to see a whole lot. Um, it's 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 that I want to do something silly. It's what's what's the name of the broken knoll in three point five D and D? You mean the oh pun pun the kobold? Yeah, pun pun kobold. It's it's like pun. It's the equivalent of pun pun. Well, but for game developers, D and D gave me my favorite um, release one one April Fool's Day. They they released an expansion uh, for playing cat. They released a new racial type, the Cheshire Cat, as well as cat only feats such as flop, in which you make a charisma check. Or sorry, you 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 have a a save DC versus your charisma check, and any enemy who fails it has to immediately go prone and pet you for the next action. Huh. Because you have flopped in front of them as a cute cat. Nice. Um, you can also make a bluff check if you fail on um, a tumble check or perform check. If you make your bluff check, then it looks like it was intentional. Nice. So if you fall off a balance beam, it's like, oh, meant to do that. I'm fine. <laughs> Blizzard does does very similar things. Like, they'll, they'll release character classes or race updates mm-hmm. or... And they'll they'll actually go deep on it. They'll give it like a whole detailed page. Oh yeah, with 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 in game models that have been that have been crafted and 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 modeled and made to move yeah. and show demonstrations. Well, and, and, the, and then some of those characters become uh, recurring jokes or recurring characters. Like uh, Murky in Here's the Storm was a joke character of a Murloc that they shoved in some power armor. And then um, there was also uh, a. a Oh, what was it? There were a couple other funny... There's like a Tauren character, like a Tauren... Uh, yeah, there was a... There's a Tauren Space Marine character in StarCraft Two that actually made an appearance in the game. Like, it was just... Yes. It started off as an April Fool's joke and then it made an appearance in the game because it was so popular. Yeah, it was, a, it was in the most recent one. Uh, uh, Shadow Course was playing it and I, I came down and he showed me. It's one of, the, one of the missions where... It's a survival mission, but if you basically wipe out the Tyranid... Or the Zerg. Or the Zerg. Not yeah, it's, in, it's, in not, not, it's actually the first of the three. Yeah, you, you, uh, you wipe out in, the, the Zerg in, base. It's in Heart of the Swarm... Or not Heart of the Swarm. Uh, um, um, Wings of Liberty. And one of the very early survival missions... I think it's like the third mission in the game when you're waiting for pickup from Matt Horner. Yeah. You're supposed to survive an amount of time in your thing. But if you go out and actually wipe out an area of the Zerg... Or break through. There's an outhouse that you can destroy, and if you destroy it, a little uh, Tauran space marine comes out and runs into it, and it takes off like a rocket. And you know, it was April Fool's Day character that they most popular enough that they put it into the game. That's those are the things that I really like uh, in in regards to uh, April Fool's jokes. Is when the joke, when the joke lives on a little bit more than just the one yeah. telling, or when when it has some sort of usability like the rule set for playing cats yeah it's just funny and you know it's like hey i want you know maybe my wizard has a cat familiar and i want my cat to take levels in the in cat in cat and take feats and you know you can just have fun with it yeah maybe i want to play a cat yes i want to um i actually used it i uh for one online thing i played a a halfling were cat where I could... Multi-classed cat and something else. I was, I was a cat rogue. I was a cat burglar. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, which was the class name. Yeah. I'm not making that... Yeah, no. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, so... Uh, I'd say, yeah, there's, there's interesting things that, that come out of holiday interactions. And I, like I said, I really, I really do like April Fool's Day ones because, because they're, that, again, like, it's that glance into that creative space that you don't get to see very often um, of creators. Uh, I, it, outside of those, those, those are like the video game ones that I really like. And 
the 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 other one I I really like ones that you do yourself, like in tabletop games when you if you happen to be playing a, a campaign uh, with enough foresight to to be ready for this around the time of the mm. holiday season if you plan like a seasonal event. In like a long form actual campaign, not a module like what we normally play, um, but in an actual campaign. Um, when you have the time to do that, because it gives you a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a break. Like you're, you know, taking taking a session for a winter festival in your D and D fifth edition campaign after you've just got done, you know, defeating the Halloween villain. You know, the, the, like the, for Halloween, you fought a vampire, so you go in, and and now after you've killed the vampire, now you have the winter festival. Uh, that I I feel like that gives you a little bit of a um, it gives your character some some more realism. Oh yeah, you know it's that it's and it gives your universe, your your world a little bit more character. Well, it, it, it's, it's always nice to be able to utilize some uh, a, a relatable real life event to give your characters downtime. It's it's a great role playing and make their downtime great. something more than I buy potions and sharpen my sword. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, what do you do in your dot? Well, you can have a drinking contest. You can do a pie eating contest. You could do both. You can you can throw skill. one of your companions into a freezing river. Yeah, I don't recommend that one. I do, <laughs> if they are a ice ice elemental. Or a white dragonborn, um, and they don't mind too terribly much. But yeah, so th- this is lots of interesting things. I also find like you know holiday themed map packs to be interesting for like you know uh, older games where they would release map packs. Um, those are fun. So we, we we spent a little bit of time talking about well, let's holiday get in, stuff. Let's get into some meat. Let's get into some more meat. So, uh, French Consumer Group takes on the Steam User Agreement. So you know that giant, long contract that, like, you maybe read once when you were bored that comes at the beginning of every game? I've never been that bored. I've read a couple. I've never been that bored. They're needlessly long. Like, all I need to say is, hey, don't steal our stuff. Yeah. Thanks. Needlessly long for the purpose of, some people have argued, for the purpose of boring people looking at it so they don't read it, so they don't read into some of the more, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Benign uh, aspects of them. So, so to, to the point, there is a French consumer group, because in France they have a whole bunch of consumer protection groups that are basically designed to prevent people from getting ripped off or that sort of thing. We have some we have a few in these states but not not quite as many. No, not nearly and as not many. Nearly, and they don't, and they, don't, they, don't, they don't have the legal presence. They don't have the force. They don't have the strength that they do in other countries. Um, <clears throat> but regardless, this one has decided to sue Valve because the Steam user agreement is detrimental to consumer interests. Um, and there, there's, there's several reasons. Uh, they say that, first of all, it prohib- uh, Steam's user agreement prohibits the resale of digital games, um, which is not permissible in French law. Um, it also says that Valve refuses to ta- assume responsibility if accounts are hacked or com- customer information is stolen. Um, it automatically owns any user-created content on Steam, and you can't get anything back in your Steam wallet if your account is closed or banned. So basically, you can't get any money back if you do something stupid and get banned. Strangely enough, they also choose to apply the consumer laws of Luxembourg, regardless of where players may be in the world. So laws that don't apply to, say, United States citizens, or French... Wait, no, they apply to French. No, no, they don't. Luxembourg's in Switzerland. No, yeah, so uh, Luxembourg's its own country, isn't it? It might... I, I think it's in Switzerland, but it might be its own country. I'm pretty sure. Um, Either way, it's not the U.S., it's not France. Yeah, uh, and which is which is strange. And also, part of the thing that this, you know, this this legal... I mean, it's... it's to, to me, a, a big problem with the rise of international gaming and games it's that... Country. Okay. So it is. 
uh, games that cross borders, um, internationally games or even international dist- distribution is nowhere bold. near Switzerland. Belgium. <sighs> it's near Belgium. Okay. Between Belgium, Germany, and France. It's in that strip of countries that are neither France nor Germany. Yep. Regardless, game games being released across countries where countries have very different laws. Um, there's a number of games that is, have problems getting into <clears throat> Germany for censorship reasons. Yeah, because World War II never happened. Well, it's not that World War II never happened. It's that you were not allowed to put a swastika anywhere. Specifically, the Nazis never happened. <laughs> Which is is still a law. Yeah, you're not allowed to have... You you have to have a license to have a swastika. You also aren't allowed to talk about them in public. Nope. Um, Which is kind of ironic. (laughs) But... With the the truest meaning of the phrase. (laughs) But regardless, it it presents an issue. And in this case, France has a law that... um, you have to be able to sell your digital games. You have, be, you have to be able to resell a game that you've purchased. Yeah, which does not limit, which is not limited to physical copies. Basically, it's saying that if you buy the the the, the law is that if you buy something, it is yours to own. Therefore, you in, in one of the one of the basic rights of ownership is the ability to resell. Is the actual? Is, yeah. I believe I believe is the actual law. It, it's it's not specific to games. It's no. anything. But that it, you it, buy. The, the way that it applies to games is it, the way that it applies to games is that, or at least in this case, the way it applies is that if you buy a digital game, you own it. If you buy it, you are not leasing it. You are buying it. Whereas the way that Steam works is, if you're leasing, you it. you have you have purchased the game. But your ability to use the game is dependent on Steam. It's not even that. I believe Steam actually qualifies it as you've purchased a license to the game. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You've purchased... You haven't actually purchased the game. You've purchased a license to the game, which is how they wiggle through some legal loopholes. It's... Well, digital digital selling... (laughs) Buying digital information is weird. Because you don't have any physical thing in your hand you don't have a disc yeah um and reselling digital things is also weird like you couldn't you can't sell a digital game on ebay yeah you you would have to put it on a cd or a flash drive and sell that device that happens to contain that information yeah um and so reset the reselling of digital games in general is selling at all of digital games is, is a bit weird legally. Um, and part of it is because the law is always two steps behind what's going on. Yeah. Um, some countries more so than others. And in France, clearly the law is a little bit behind on how digital games are sold, or at least the way that Luxembourg is, is not compatible with the way France is. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily that. It's that the, the, the consumer group is arguing based on a law that was never designed yeah, with, but, games, but that's what I'm with, with with games in mind, much less digital games. Yeah, there there was a law, and it doesn't make sense in that because there is no law made by the French government. Yeah. To address the sale of digital items. Yeah. In general, which I mean may or may not be how they're going to win or not win this fight, but um, it's the idea that that you know this this but it, it is it is quite a thing. There there are several things in there that that are worth talking about. Like whether or not we're not really going to get into the uh, the sale, the purchasing and reselling of digital games because it's it is very it is very gray you know sort of area and it's very hard to, to tell especially what country by country yeah and also it's like sort of thing well well you know yeah you shouldn't be able to resell it because there's no way of proving that you don't have it anymore or like you should be able to resell it because you paid money for it therefore you should be able to get some uh, some money out of what you've paid for for, for example just a quick summer some of what GOG does for those of you don't know GOG it's it's similar it's actually gotten pretty popular it's a similar thing to steam it's an internet service the way the gog works is if you buy a game and you're not satisfied you can return it to get your money back however because they don't have the licensing system that steam does you can always play the game so if you return your game there's nothing stopping you from continuing to play it or making a copy of it and downloading it to five different computers and playing it on five different computers yeah and gog just trusts 
that their consumers aren't ripping them off. Steam does not have that level of trust that they will not be ripped off. No. And that's why they have the laws that they do. Because if you resell your digital game, you're just copying it, the information. Steam is very careful about not losing anything that they own. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's the reason why this is... That's the reason that Steam does what they do. Yeah. But there are things like uh, Valve uh, in the EULA. Now, Valve does accept responsibility for certain... For or they don't, I don't know, they necessarily actually accept responsibility, but they do resolve issues of accounts being hacked and information being stolen. They they address each and every one of them. But they don't necessarily promise. Oh, you lost your personal information and you're down several thousand dollars because of yeah, that they being don't stolen. guarantee it. You're you're not going to get your money back from us because it's not. It's not our fault. Yeah, we're not, we didn't hack your account, and I I mean, in the U.S., this has happened. Um, you get your information, card information stolen stolen during the like say the, say the Home Depot fiasco that happened several months ago. Yeah, you get your card information stolen. Home Depot did not pay back money to to uh, to some of the people because they were covered by other institutions, banks, or that sort of thing. Yeah, but they did pay back to a uh, to a good amount of people that had their money stolen. Yeah, so it, it's um, whether or not they. Have had to was interesting though it, I, it's, it's one of those the company does it on good faith I feel like it's one of those things where you kind of do because when you are putting money into a system or putting your information into a system or, or any system that requires you to give them personal information you are putting in you are buying into the trust that they will protect that information that is part of the agreement is I give you my credit card number you give me an assurance that you will not use that credit card number for ill. That's why if they well, if they start overcharging or randomly double now, charging your card, you can do things about if it. If your card have, is information stolen, actually, the for example, if you have a Visa card, Visa is responsible for your card information getting stolen, not the place that you have used it at. Yeah. So, for example, if you use a Visa card at Home Depot, Visa is responsible if your card information gets stolen. However, um, now that they have the chips. If you'd have a card that has a chip in it and they swipe it, Home Depot is not responsible because they did not utilize the proper security measures to prevent your card information getting stolen. Exactly. That's that's that second part. Um, um, however, if it's simply there's a database and they took your card information off of it, even if they did use the chip, Visa's responsible. Not Home Depot. It's weird. And that's the U.S. laws. I don't know at all what the international hmm. laws are. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a very weird situation. And here. it looks like clearly in the case of Valve, um, in, in France, it looks like France wants the company to be responsible if, if accounts are hacked and customer information is stolen. Um, so that's, again, it's, it's the difficulty in translating country law to country law. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't I feel like it, the onus should be on the company that has the information. Like, like, if you're storing my information, the onus should be on you to keep it safe. But there is no perfect security either. No, there isn't. But you know, yeah, you know, that that using that argument doesn't work because it's like, oh, well, there's no perfect security, so nobody should be responsible for keeping my stuff safe. No, you should. You should do the best you can, and in the event that you fail, you should do something about it. Whether it is getting my money back from the people who stole it, or reimbursing me for the money because I gave you, I I perch, I bought with you in trust that my money would be safe. It's like, but it, le- it's, legally it's, speaking, it's like putting your money into a bank, and the bank using your money. You tr- you are trusting that the bank will have the money you need when you ask them for it, even though they are using it as their own funds. And that's the situation part of, the of a bank, there. though, there, 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 is an, a, there is an official agreement, there is a guarantee, and there is a paper trail. Yeah. In the case of me swiping my card at Home Depot or purchasing a game on Steam, I didn't sign an agreement. There was no agreement of me swiping my card being like, okay, you agree that you don't sign a contract every time you swipe your card. But you card. do. Theoretically, you do, because that's what the signature on the back of your card's for. To designate that, uh, whenever you use it, whenever you use a debit card or a credit card, it is a signature of an agreement to purchase. It's an agreement to purchase. I agree yeah. to transfer transfer the funds from my account to your account. This amount and no more. Yeah, 
which is that the agreement is. It, what we're talking about is there's a very there's a very gray legal area. Yeah, there's lots yeah. of gray legal areas. There's lots of gray legal areas in this whole this whole really this whole lawsuit is a, is a gray legal area, which is why the lawsuit exists to clarify the gray legal areas. But let's let's, let's focus off of the specifics and go back to end user license agreement EULAs. Yeah. One of the biggest complaints about a EULA is that you don't get to read the EULA until after you've bought the game. Because or it's the service or whatever. Yes, but I mean, if, even if you if you go to GameStop and you buy a copy of um, Fallout Four for your PC, go to GameStop, buy it, go back to your house, you click to install, and it's like before you install this, read this contract. Yeah. If you don't agree with that contract, you've already given them the money for the game and you've already opened the case so you're not going to get a full refund when you take it back to GameStop but you can't but you can't install it if you don't agree to their contract and so you're in this awkward position of well now I'm out my money and I didn't know and I didn't have access to the EULA yeah and uh, it's been brought to court a couple up uh, several times and the courts don't the, the, the U.S. courts, at least, don't have a definitive agreement. Some courts say that you did check, I agree to this to this EULA, which is your digital signature, and um, digital signatures have been recognized as legally binding. Yes. But then there's also the fact that, and this is the other side of the argument, is that a check mark is not a digital signature. It does not substitute... For a digital, digital signature. you can't verify. You can't verify who checked the box. That's the big... I think that's the biggest argument on yeah. the other side of it is that I can... Like, for instance, I could buy a game and give it to you. Who does the EULA apply to? You or me? It's technically whoever checked the box. So if you checked the box, but you installed it on... You installed it on my computer and you checked the box, but then I play the game, who does the EULA apply to? Exactly. It, Technically yeah, it, applies to me. It applies to you, but you're not using the game. I am. Yeah. You you're no longer the end user, even though you made the agreement. I am. So how can they hold me to the end user license agreement when I never agreed to? And this, you this, this is one of the reasons that <laughs> this is one of the reasons that game companies want you to register your game because when you register the game, it's a much more clear. This game is registered to this person. They are responsible for this license. And it's also a thing where it's very difficult to. It, it, the, the the legality of EULAs have been called into question several times for that for the very same reason we're just talking about now. It's difficult to determine who actually it is relation to. But also, a lot of times companies just throw a bunch of random crap into EULAs just to see if people read them, just so they can get them passed. Pe- it, it, it's, them. Become, it's become a, a, a joke that people don't read EULAs. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there are some EULAs, uh, there was one EULA I had that had a timer on it. It's like, this, this EULA has to be up for 10 minutes, because that's how long it should take you to read it. Yeah. And you can't install your game before you finish reading this EULA. Um, or, you know, there's a lot of EULAs where if the, if the, the, the mouse scroll thing isn't at the bottom, you can't click to continue. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a fairly common. In which case, you grab the bar and you slide it to the bottom. You slide and hit agree. And agree, yeah. But... Um, you know, they do jokes like, you could hide anything in there. You could hide, you agree, uh, your personal service free of charge to us for the rest of your life. If we say jump, you don't ask how high you jump. Yeah. That could be in there. And that wouldn't be legally enforceable if it was. Or it could be. No, it would be. Because there's no, again, again, it's a thing where documents that are legally enforceable not only have to be signed, but I believe also have to be witnessed um, and there is no such thing as a witness for a EULA. It's weird. There's you, there's no way to there's no way to witness a EULA. There's no witness. There's not a all right. I click here now. Please also pull somebody off from the left to say that they witnessed you agreeing to this EULA. <laughs> in which case, it's like I witness myself. Yeah, like that. That's not a thing that happens. Um, so there's no there's no actual signature. There's no actual signature. There's no actual paper. There's no legal witness, and it hasn't been notarized. There are so many. There are so many legally. There are so many things that have to be attached to legal papers that are not attached to EULAs. 
And yet people try, and yet companies, at least, try to say that EULAs have the same weight as these legal documents that have witnesses, that have notaries, that have etc. I feel like, actual at signatures. the end of the day, a EULA is a, it's kind of like a speed limit in a parking lot. Have you ever seen a parking lot where it's like five miles an hour speed limit? But it's not actually enforceable. You can't enforce it because it's private property. Um, the worst they can do is tell you to tell you to get off their property. The reason that they have that is, they, is there is so that if you're doing something stupid in their parking lot, they can tell you get off our lawn. Yeah. And they're like, why? You were going faster than five miles an hour. I know because everyone goes faster than five miles an hour in a parking lot. Yeah. Um, that's why it's there. It's there because... Um, you are making illegal copies of our game. The EULA says you wouldn't. It's also illegal. But you signed the EULA. So it's extra illegal. Extra illegal. Yeah, it's it's there more as a as a, as a a pacifier than anything yeah. else. It's in a, mostly useless, ineffective, mm-hmm. and not worth anything. But... Kind of like U.S. patent laws? Yeah, kind of like U.S. patent laws. Um, it, it, it's, really, it's really a thing. Uh... The question then is, you know, enforcing any aspect of a EULA. Uh, How feasible is it? Apparently, according to this article, at least not very. <laughs> or very possible, depending on which court you happen to get. Depending um, on which court you go to. And the Supreme Court has ruled that there is no general law about EULAs. So it's, it's, case it's case literally basis. a case-by-case basis. And I feel like what this is... It's the same thing as I was saying earlier. It's, they don't want to make you suffer for signing a EULA that has something ridiculous in it. Like, I agreed to feed uh, these this software creator's dog every day. Yeah. That's stupid. However, they don't want to say EULAs are useless because piracy is a problem. But piracies don't, but, pir- but EULAs don't prevent piracy. No, they don't. But they make piracy more... They don't more... even slow it down. They don't. But they make piracy more <laughs> legally reprimandable. Um, unfortunately, that's an entirely separate issue, but piracy is... Piracy is a problem, and there, there, there's always a law. It, it was HIPAA a while ago. It was, now there's a new one that people are talking about where it's like, oh, we're going to prevent you from... Oh, TPP. The Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yeah. The most recent incarnation... There, there's always a law and it never passes. Which, which, well, I mean, I think, I don't know if Trans-Pacific Partnership passed or not. It was being voted on. I, 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 I'm, I'm almost positive it didn't pass because it never passes because the laws are stupid. Um, they're like, we need to stop piracy, so we're going to crack down on piracy. The problem with this crackdown on piracy is that the laws to crack down on piracy already exist. There are laws in place that are simply not enforced. The fact that um, so many piracy websites exist is a testament to the fact that whoever's in charge of um, condemning piracy legally doesn't Google. They don't go to Google and type in, hmm, what happens if I type in uh, free music albums? Oh, look. There's a website titled piratemusic.com that I can go to and get free stuff off of illegally. Yeah. So it's it's an enforcement issue, not a legal issue on that at, at that level. But and a, again, EULAs don't really help because it's already illegal to do most of the things that EULAs say you can't do. Yeah. It's just a Oh, well, I wasn't aware of this. No, you were, because you had to have seen this contract. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a nail on the coffin. Yeah. If they want to convict somebody. Yeah. And it's one of those weird things. Eulas exist in, in a very nebulous area, and a lot of people get really upset about them. Uh, especially, especially like not not just not even necessarily Eulas for games, but Eulas for software, um, like permissions, like uh, required permissions for Facebook on your phone. Yeah, people are always up in arms about Facebook has access to this and stuff you post on Facebook is legally Facebook's and blah 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 blah. Which it isn't. It's not. By the way, by the way, yeah. 
Um, but that does bring us to a different to a separate point that the the French consumer group brings up, which is that user created content is automatically valves. Yes, if you upload something on Steam, it becomes valves, and I feel like there's a couple reasons for this. Um, one, maybe your wife. One one of the primary reasons for this is that it is um, one of the one of the biggest things about Steam taking taking ownership of user created content, um, and I'm curious if this applies pr- more to. Because obviously it applies to everything on Steam. But is it, is it more about the people uploading a game um, to Steve, Steam Greenlight and then Steam owns the game? Or is it more people uploading things like a review on a game or a video of a game? It's more actually it's more um, Steam Workshop. What is Steam Workshop? Steam Workshop is the easy way to make and, make and spread mods for games. Okay. Games that have Steam Workshop support. Basically, basically, we do is people make a mod, upload to Steam Workshop. You go, you like the mod, you subscribe to the mod, and it and any future updates that it have automatically update to your game on Steam. See, they automatically get folded in. Um, okay. So what it's saying is, if if you create, so if a... you if you up if you make say you make a mod, say you make a brand new shiny sword in Skyrim, okay, and you mod it into the game, and you upload it to Workshop. It now belongs to Steam. Okay. Even though you made it, you took the effort and the tools and the coding to make it. And you made it a brand new sword. You modeled it, you rendered it, yeah. you textured it, you made it work differently from other weapons. It's still its own individual unique item code in the game. It's not a reskin of an existing item. You made it, you put it in the game, and then you upload to Workshop, it belongs to Steam. I wonder if that's to prevent royalties issues, where it's like, I've created a mod for a game, it most and certainly I, want, is. I want to sell it. It most certainly is. Um, it's, it's a way to prevent you know people from saying, oh, you owe me a portion of the funding. You're, you owe me a portion of the sales of this game because I attributed to it. Yeah. That's exactly what it's there to prevent. Yeah. But what it does is it allows Steam to do things like what it tried to do previously, where they try to sell, like, sell premium mods. That people had made. Yes. So, so it's trying you to make sell... a mod, upload it to Workshop, then Steam sells your mod for you. I see. That's one of the things it allows. Now, they stopped that very quickly, I might add. Um, but that's one Th- of that, the That's where the issue, okay. That. With that particular but on on the flip side, it does also prevent people from being like, okay, well, I'm going to upload this to Steam. Hey, this has been distributed to all these people who are you know getting this mod along with their game. Where's my where's, uh, where's my, my where's my cut of them? Yeah. So it's a problem either way. Yeah, um, and one that I don't really see. Uh... The, the 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 problem, the part of the problem too is that contracts are only so binding. Um, I mean, you can go to, I mean, you, you could go to some amusement park, sign a waiver to go on a roller coaster, and if you get her on the roller coaster, you can still sue. doesn't matter if you signed a waiver, you, you, can, you can sue around it. Yeah. It's the same thing with this. If you sign a contract saying, you know, if you, if you up, like, uploading to Steam, you agreed that um, this content becomes free content and you will receive no money for it, and then Steam puts it in a game, you could still sue around it. Because it's still technically your content. Yeah. And they're using it in a way that you disagree with. Yeah. It's like, I don't want you putting it in here without paying me money. I, you, you are using my stuff without my permission, even though you signed your contract. Yeah. And I think it, part of it is because of the, the weakness that EULAs have. That they have to go whole hog, it's ours. And you just have to trust that we will not abuse this privilege. Yeah. Um, or find an alternate way to d- distribute it. So, it's a, a lot of this 
a lot of this is necessary evil. Yeah. I can see it. It's necessary evil. Still evil, but, you know. Yeah. Um, still an issue, an issue that needs to be resolved. Um, and the, the other interesting one is you can't get anything back on your Steam wallet if your account is closed or banned. That I understand. Yeah, that that is, no, we, we're we banning you from Steam. You, you forfeit what you forfeit money you, what money you put into it, yeah. Also because... And also because you don't necessarily know that it's money you put in. Somebody could buy you a Steam gift card, which goes into your wallet, and then you, and then can't, you, yes. you can't get that money back. Yeah. It's like it's like saying, I want to get cash back for this gift card. I've been banned from this game. I want to return this game. It's like, no, you, you, you used the game. It's your own fault you got banned. Or it's like, I've been banned from this store. I'd like to return this product I bought at this store. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work. No, that that one makes more sense, and apparently France has an issue with that. So that one is more. I'm cu- I'm really curious not to see Fran- French consumer protection laws. And of course, there's also the you know the the last part of it, which is that they apply the consumer laws of Luxembourg, which Regard- is not the Valve HQ, by the way. Where regardless of wherever their players may be in the world, Valve headquarters is in Seattle, I think, it's in the states. Yeah. That one is a bit odd. I, I wonder, because I know S- Switzerland is, is is the neutral ground of politics. I wonder if there's a neutral ground of gaming laws, or if it's just consumer laws in Luxembourg are really loose. Kind of like how so many businesses have a have their home office in certain areas because tax laws are preferable. Yeah, that may be very, probably is very, very much what it is. We'd have to check and up on Luxembourg it, it may, consumer laws it, to find out. They could just be like, here, we're going to open a small office in Luxembourg, and we're going to, to station our consumer affairs in that one little office so that all of our consumer problems go through Luxembourg and, and Luxembourg rules apply to them. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would probably be uh, a very realistic thing. Um, because there there are places in, in in the U.S. that have, yes, we have an office in say Dublin. Dublin has great ta- business tax laws. It's like we've got an office in Dublin where two people work, but there are tax accountants. So all of our fu- of our money goes through through Ireland, where the money laws are very favorable for our business. Yeah. Or our bank accounts in Switzerland. So all of our money is subject to Switzerland's. Freedom of information, and you can't touch it or investigate it. We should, we should, we should route our money through Ireland into Switzerland. Yeah, we should totally do that. All right, you well, heard it here, folks. Funnel Show Films now routes their money through tax accountants in Ireland, straight into Switzerland, straight into Swiss banks. <laughs> we'll be untouchable by the IRS <laughs> for years. For the for all of the eighty seven dollars. <laughs> yeah, a month. I don't think the IRS cares. They really don't. So I think I think that's a that's a good amount of topics that we've covered by the two of us. Yeah. The, the two of us talking relentlessly uh, over one another. Um, two of us vying for control of the mic. It's you know it's, it's there's less fighting when it's just the two of us. <laughs> there's less overt fighting. There's more subtle <laughs> subterfuge. More subtle subterfuge. What is this landmine under my chair? <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, if you have any comments on any of these stories that we talked about, if you want to talk about how much you want to say hashtag fuck Konami, or you want to talk about uh, F- Valve's uh, Eula or anything in between, or your you know your favorite uh, holiday seasonal addition to a game, please feel free to email us at foundshowfilms at gmail.com, and we would like to have the conversation with you too. Um, yeah, if you if you like what you're listening to, please feel free to you know uh, like it and share it around and comment on it on uh, on the Podbean website since taco.podbean.com or wherever you're listening to this. You can also find all of our other content on our website at finalshowfilms.com, on our Patreon page at patreon.com/fsfilms, uh, on our YouTube channel at youtube.com/sinstaku, on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv/sinstaku, uh, on Twitter I'm John A Bates. He's at he's at units U K N I T S. Um, yeah. And uh, please, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, we'll be back next week yep. with another with another Shinnecast, and hopefully all three of us will be here. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all very much for joining us, and I hope you all have a great day. Say goodbye, Austin. Meow. Close enough. <laughs>